This is AM Rush. I'm Alex Mitchell. We're doing a special edition today over the protests of the death of George Floyd. Right now we're speaking with a photographer from the Bronx who was in Manhattan over the weekend documenting everything that happened between police and protesters. His name is Mike Carlo, and he said he was pushed to the ground by police on Sunday. He also said that there is wrong on all sides of what's going on from start to finish. We're going to hear Mike's story on what happened over the weekend in New York City. Mike, you've been down in the areas of the protests over the weekend, starting on Friday, and have been staying there over the past couple of days. What have you been seeing? Take us through day by day what it was like. Uh, the last three days this weekend in New York City has been very eye-opening, chaotic, uh, liberating. It's been it's been a number of things, and I don't see it coming to an end. But I'd like to start from the beginning, which was Friday. Friday when they called for a vigil for George Floyd down at City Hall, and went from peaceful to violent, and it all happened very quick. Now take us through what exactly happened down there. Um, I got down to, I know that on social media, they were promoting a vigil for George Floyd, the man in Minneapolis. They were asking people to come peacefully protest. If he wasn't trying to peacefully protest, they were asking you to bring a bouquet in the man's name. Um, as soon as I got to the train station on Chambers Street, you felt it in the air. Like, the energy was in the air of unrest, uh, aggravation, people had no jobs, uh, people dying over senselessness. Like, it was all in the air. And to my surprise, when I made it to the park, everybody was there just chanting, chanting, saying George Floyd's name, uh, just trying to be peaceful. When did that become violent? Uh, it became violent when uh, we were standing at the park in City Hall. As we were standing there, people had spoke. They had made their, their points made. And then another group of protesters emerged from the Chinatown area, walking towards the court building in City Hall on Center Street. When they approached, they took over the street, like the actual street of Center Street. And the protesters from the park wanted to combine their forces with them. So from there, NYPD stepped in and tried to use reinforced guardrails to keep them at bay. And every time a person tried to move the guardrail, it become like a shoving type of situation. And then from there, that was when they moved down Center Street towards uh, 125 Center Street, the detention center, and that was when all the major media and everybody started seeing what was actually going on. After the two groups merge and there was pushback with the NYPD, what happened after that? They moved uh, two blocks over to the federal court building. When they moved over to the federal court building, um, again, all of this is my experience from my firsthand knowledge. I was walking amongst the crowd and the crowd started to notice that there were plain clothes NYPD amongst the crowd in khakis and shirts. Their shirts being a little thicker, so you could tell that they had something like a body armor or something underneath for their protection. And they would sit there and watch and there were 
agitators in the crowd trying to rile the crowd up. And when they did agitate the crowd, these plainclothes NYPD's officers would try to step in. As soon as they tried to step in, then it became a conflict between all protesters and the NYPD, which is something like some of that footage that you can see of them walking people over to the squad car with the mobs of people and them pushing. That would be a perfect example of one right there. So now when people started noticing the plainclothes officers and and conflict ensued more, when did it go from being violent to more of a, a riot? That started happening as more um, tactical slots started coming in. The tactical response team for NYPD, they started up here. Because at first it was um, regular blue blue uniformed NYPD police in the crowd. And then you start seeing the, the tactically dressed gentlemen start showing up. And then you start seeing the, um, the court officers, the state court officers showing up and trying to protect the front of the federal court building. And then as the, the numbers of the uniform police started rising, the aggregation, the, the aggravation of the protesters started rising. So when things got really violent, what was it like on the streets? Uh, what it was like, it started with they had a PA system telling the protesters that they must disperse or they'll be arrested for disorderly conduct. When the PA system didn't start working, they started shoving them towards the sidewalk. And there was one instance where they shoved them to the sidewalk and a gentleman had some harsh words for the NYPD. And in response to receiving some harsh words, they pepper sprayed the kid. And then the kid had to get milk thrown in his face. And then he came back even more aggressive. And it just became a thing. And Friday night, while you were out there, did you see any looting going on then? On Friday, I didn't see any looting. On Friday, I left uh, just before sunset, so I wasn't out there for the night protest. I didn't start showing up for the night protest until Saturday. Um, yeah, I was at home, and I was just looking through the news feeds because YouTube's covering it, the major news channels is covering it, so covered everywhere. And I noticed that they set a NYPD car on fire in Union Square behind my workplace. And then I just had this feeling within myself that I can't just sit here. Like, as a photographer and as a person of color, I felt like that was my obligation to go downtown and take pictures and be there for both sides, both the NYPD to have visual confirmation of them trying to do what they do, for the protesters to also have visual confirmation of their movement is strong and they're trying to do what they do. And when I got there, it was... um it was a crazy standoff in front of the Chipotle in Union Square. Was it more violent than Friday night? Did it feel like a continuation of what was going on, or did it feel like new faces just starting all over again? When I got off the train at Union Square, you can see that the park was closed, and I asked a couple of the officers available what was going on, and their objective was to close the park. On Saturday, on, on Saturday night, the objective of the NYPD on 14th Street was to make sure that a large crowd could not gather at Union Square. So they split them up 
amongst the, the um, intersections of it. I walked to the Chipotle on 14th and Irving. When I got there, there was a line of people. They were in the street blocking traffic. They had an MTA bus that was helping them block traffic. Like, they got, like, everybody's involved in this at this point. There, there's, you've got to pick a side at this point is what it's coming down to. And they had an MTA bus blocking the street. They had people in the street, cyclists in the street. And then there was a line of NYPD officers from going across 14th Street, making sure that you can't advance towards the park. Eventually, about 20 or so minutes of me standing there taking photos, a captain came. He said some words. I don't know what the words were said, but as soon as he was done with his words, that was when they started rushing the crowd and pushing them towards 3rd Avenue, pushing them towards 2nd Avenue. And then from there, that was when it got even more hot. And what happened then? Uh, after they pushed the crowd down 2nd Avenue, they started going down 2nd Avenue. And um, most people familiar with New York know this place. So they went to the 7-Eleven next to the IHOP on 14th. And they trashed the store. Um, some, some of the agitators decided that now we're going to start looting stores. So they smashed the windows of the 7-Eleven and they grabbed the alcohol and water and kept going. And then they went down 2nd Avenue and then that was when they looted a Verizon store for its content. And then it just became that type of scene. Now, going back to what you're saying about uh, when the 7-Eleven was being looted, was it just the alcohol and water they were taking or were there other contents from the store being brought with them? All I seen this weekend, whenever they went into the store, they made sure that they grabbed alcohol and they were using the alcohol to start the fires. And then they grabbed the water to make sure that they could keep themselves hydrated because they wasn't sure how long this was going to be. The looting was also to, from what you've seen, to create weapons like Molotov cocktails, things that could set fire throughout the city. So this was more than just taking what was in the store, this was this was creating weapons in a way. It, it, was a, it was a tactical it was a tactical move because, as I said, the, they have the NYPD pushing them back, and there are a lot of young, uh, young Americans, young people of color, early 20s, just turning 20, maybe early 30s, and they're unarmed. They're unarmed and they're dealing with heavily armed police using their batons on them, shoving them to the ground. So it got to the point where the only thing that they could do from the group that I was with was retaliate by, they started throwing trash cans in the street to block squad cars from advancing to them. They started setting fires to, to make them put the fires out so they can't advance them just to keep the, it wasn't, to cause malicious harm, but it was to cause some sort of event to keep the police force from getting to the protesters. So you're saying that, at least in your experience, the fires being started, the, the things being thrown were more to create obstacles for the police than to actually throw at the officers? Yeah, that, that, that is what I'm saying, yes. 
Now, when the looting was going on, when the the violence started ensuing, or when the fires were started, were there people in the crowd almost self-policing or self-moderating, saying, that's not what we're here for, we're here about the issue of police brutality, we're not here to, to start fires, we're not here to harm people, harm individuals. Was there any of that going on? That in itself, the self-policing is on a case-by-case basis based on which group you you were with. These are very large groups of people out in these streets, Alex. Um, I was out Saturday night from 10.30 at night to 5.30 in the morning, and it didn't stop until about 3.30 in the morning. And everywhere I went, it was another section of large people. Um, people were trying to self-police, but it's mostly the female protesters, um, some sensible older protesters are the ones trying to tell them that they're not here for that. But when it comes down to a crowd of one person telling you not to do it, and then you got five people wanting to do it with another 10 people supporting that choice, it becomes uh, a dead argument. So there were people in the crowd that were saying this isn't the way to go about it, but just strength in numbers, more people were for starting the fires, more people were for throwing things, and, and their words kind of got lost in, in everything going on is what you're saying. Yes. Yes, their words get lost in, in what's going on because people are angry and people are upset. And they feel like they aren't heard, so now they got to demonstrate. You said that these protests on Saturday went until about 3.30 in the morning. What was the most violent, most aggressive portion of it, and where did that happen? The most violent part that I've seen of the protests was when... They were getting towards, they were in the Bowery trying to approach Delancey because on the Citizen app, the Citizen app kept issuing reports of large groups of people in the Delancey Bowery area. So once they approached that area, um, I want to say right before Canal Street and Bowery, like whatever that block previous to it is, when they got there, they had found out that NYPD actually tried to box them off. The way that they were pushing the protesters throughout the night was pushing them towards a bigger contingent of NYPD officers. So when they made it to Bowery and Canal, as soon as they made it to the corner of that street, you see all the protesters turning around and running. And when they started running, all you see is NYPD behind them running after them, and they were just trying to get whoever they could. Whoever they could pick off out the crowd was who they were picking up. Going to Sunday last night, was there any change in the tone of what was going on, or was it just as aggressive? In Sunday, it was just as aggressive. It was the same tone. Um, Sunday, I went to multiple sections. I went to... to the, West 14th Street area. I also went to Canal Street. I went to Bryant Park as well, and then I went back to Union Square. Each one of those areas had large numbers of groups, all spitting the same message. 
The message was, what's his name, George Floyd. The message was some some harsh words for NYPD. And their message was, Black Lives Matter, and then it was it. Before we started really talking about this, you had mentioned to me that there was wrongdoing on all sides going on. Talk a little bit more about that from what you've seen. From what I've seen, everybody's wrong. Everybody's wrong in some way, shape, or form. Because they're asking us to peacefully protest on the sidewalk, but then they want to take over the street. So then they're giving NYPD uh, what I think is a petty reason to engage you. Because they're asking you to protest on the streets. Yeah, we cannot fit 700 people on a sidewalk. So they're going to bleed out into the street. But at the same time, like I said, them bleeding out into the street gives NYPD uh, a reason to engage them. Once they have the reason to engage them, then the agitators have a reason to start throwing things. So then it becomes a one big circle of everybody doing something to get the other one upset. Did you feel like your safety was in jeopardy at any points during the three days? Yeah, last night when they pushed me on the floor. The police? Yeah. I was literally talking to a police sergeant for like a good five minutes. And we were both in agreement of we don't know how long this is going to last. This is getting crazy. It's getting out of hand. We we met on many on many topics. We we seen eye to eye on, and then he kindly asked me to move because they're about to move the protest line. So me, so they asked me to move. I go to move. One of the cops tried to trip me, and I'm sick too. You trip me. I'm hitting the floor hard, so I didn't trip. Once he seen that he couldn't trip me, he pushed me with the baton to the floor with my camera in hand, clearly taking photos of this. And this wasn't the sergeant that you were having a conversation with. This was a different officer. Yeah, this was like maybe maybe 30 seconds, 60 seconds after the sergeant. I had a very kind, friendly conversation. Now, did the police sergeant see this at all and, and step in, or was he at a, another point or another location at that time? The thing about it is that there's so many of them that they all blend in together. So when I seen the sergeant, I don't know which sergeant it was from what precinct, but he gave me the time of day to speak to me, which was cool. But then once they start pushing the line, the ones that get too excessive, they start to blend back into the crowd of police officers to reshuffle themselves among the line. Because I'm taking photos for everybody. I'm out here taking photos so we don't forget these nights. And now you shove me to the ground. If I wanted to file a complaint, I couldn't file a complaint because I don't know who it was. When you fell, were you injured beyond a couple of scrapes or bruises? And also, was your camera okay? Uh, my camera's fine. You learn how to fall with the camera gear after a while. Um, nah, I just got a scrape to my knee. That's about it. But it's like, I didn't come outside for that. Like, if I, I didn't come outside for that. I didn't come outside to be shoved to the floor. I don't want to see none of it done to anybody. And while you were out there over the past three days, 
What was the most devastating sight you saw? When they maced that gentleman on the face on Friday, um, the look on the store owner's face when they smashed his store on Saturday. What store was that? It was Kona Coffee and Company on, I believe, that Second Avenue. Kona Coffee in the East Village. They got their front window smashed. I'm looking right at it. They smashed the store, and the look on that gentleman's face was was very sad. And then uh, last night, when they uh, maced one of the organizers of the protest, just the, the the cries that came from a grown man for being pepper sprayed is, is something you don't really forget. Was there anything yeah. else that stood out to you during this that you just felt like wasn't right, or, or this was wrong, and this is not what we're here for? This whole this whole thing, Alex, this whole thing ain't right. Like... We shouldn't have to be protesting in the middle of a global pandemic against injustices against a targeted population of people. Like it's it's unright, it's unfair, and and it just shouldn't be happening. Like people been locked in their house for three months over uh, uh, immune sickness over coronavirus. Like and now they got to come outside. Before we even finish trying to eradicate it or doing our best to lower the numbers, we got to come outside with masks on and protest against police brutality because it's something that's been going on since before I was born. It's been going on since before my dad was born, and they don't change it. So now, look, they're, they're, they're taking it out on the city. Mike, before I let you go, and, and thank you for coming on AM Rush. Thank you for talking about what your experience was like and and what you had witnessed and what you had seen and what's going to go down as a, an unparalleled time in not just the city's history but in American history. Is there anything else that you want to tell me about your firsthand experience with this? From these last three days, I don't see this coming to an end anytime soon. Because the way that this needs to end, just like I did, it needs to start with a conversation. I don't want to see a conversation of elected officials and the mayor and commissioners say. What I want to see is I want to see regular people like me, regular people like people from my neighborhood. All of it needs to stop. All of it needs to stop. The the, the robbing the stores, the, the throwing the stuff at the cops, the cops pushing people on the floor, all needs to come to an end. Because it's going to keep escalating. I did combat sports for a long time. And when you hit somebody, they're going to want to hit you back. And it's not going to stop until somebody drops. Everybody needs to speak to everybody like they're a person that they hang out with. Because the same way I'm having a conversation with you, and look at how deep this conversation went. And we see each other only a couple of times a year. Like, Alex, I see you every once in a few. And we have a real in-depth conversation about what's going on. They could do it too. Because everybody knows how to talk. Everybody knows how to scream. And everybody knows how to yell. So use your words. Because you see what's going on. People getting their head cracked. People getting pushed on the floor. Cop cars are getting set on fire. Stores are getting set on fire. So what's going on right now ain't working. So what are we going to do?
And that was this special edition of AM Rush. I'm Alex Mitchell. We'll be speaking to more sources on the ground when we can and getting more information about everything that's ensued over the past few days.